You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our associate pastor, Brent Hand, with this week's message. I want to start uh, just with a quick little look at John the Baptist. If you, uh, if you know anything about the Bible, if you don't, or if you don't, uh, John the Baptist is this guy. He's kind of a, a, a weird guy. He lives out in the wilderness, dresses in camel skins, and eats crazy stuff, bugs, and that kind of thing. And he, his whole thing is he is baptizing people in the Jordan River and calling people to repentance, calling people to turn back to God, calling people to, to focus on God again. And, and one day, it's recorded in John chapter 1, that he sees Jesus. And this is Jesus' first time stepping out onto the scene as an adult. This is his real, the first moment of Jesus' adult life, really, that we're, we're getting a look at. And here's what John says. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a powerful statement. And he's the first one to look at Jesus and say that about him, to look and say, hey, look, at there's Jesus. Look at what he is. But in Matt, then Matthew records this, when Jesus comes down and he is baptized by, by John, that there's this, there's this event that happens. And it says that after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. This is the moment we all want, right? This is the moment we're all waiting for, right? When the heavens split open and God you know, sends, you know, a message out. He speaks straight out of heaven to us and says, hey, Jesus is the real deal, right? That's what we all want, right? That's what we all ask for. And that's exactly what John got in this moment. But then you fast forward a few chapters. John finds himself, John the Baptist, he finds himself in prison. And this is what it says. It says that John the Baptist, who was in prison, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we, should we keep looking for someone else? He had God speak out of heaven. He had the heavens split up. He, he had the moment, right? He had the moment we all want. But still, there was a question in his heart that he couldn't settle. And so what does that tell me? That tells me three really, really important things. Number one, it's that experiencing doubt is a normal part of faith. I mean, if John the Baptist, the first guy to say, look, Jesus is, is, the, is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the one we've been waiting on. If, he's the, if he has doubt, then why, why, do we, why are we shocked when we have that doubt, right? Um, and, uh, number two, what it, that tells me is, you know, what he did, what he do, he went and asked Jesus. He, he asked Jesus. This, asking questions is the surest way to find answers. If, if we don't ask questions, we can't find answers, right? Yep. I heard it said before, you know, that a faith that, that uh, can't be tested can't be trusted. Have you heard that before? That's, that's something that, that you know, I, I think our faith should hold up to a little bit of questioning. I don't think that's, that, that's a problem, you know? I don't think that that's a problem for us to question. Now, now when we begin to let doubt take over our life and we begin to, to just doubt and doubt and doubt, that's another thing completely. But, but just having questions, I think God, God it, you know, it, it, he, he can handle our questions, right? He can handle our, 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 our misgivings, our, our, you know, things that, that may seem not to add up to us. Because, you know, people have been asking these questions for thousands of years. Um, but then third, I think what's so important about this story 
is that, is that John wasn't alone. Is that John was able to send his friends to go ask Jesus for him. You see, we, we need people who walk with us through those times. We need people who will stand with us in those times when we're not sure about something. They don't say, don't condemn us and say, oh man, I don't know if I'd, I'd ask the, you know, not, not that kind of attitude. Or not even just like, well, I don't know, maybe we'll, we'll see what happens, you know. But somebody that sits with you, that walks with you, even when you don't know the answer, when you're still just able to, to say, hey man, let's look for it together. Let's try to figure this out. You know, we need that in our life because here's what I honestly believe is that knowing what you believe is good. We got to know what we believe. But knowing why you believe it is better. Because you've got to take that step. You've got to take that step from it being something that that preacher told me to something that I'm living out, right? It's got to take that step from from being just something I've been taught my whole life, my mommy and daddy taught me, to being something I want to be a part of. We've got to take that step. We've got to make that move. And I'm, I'm afraid too many people are still, haven't taken that step haven't taken that step and owned it and said, you know, this is mine. Um, you know, I was raised, obviously, in a Christian home. <laughs> um, I was, you know, I was raised, I, I remember I was pretty naive. I thought everybody, you know, knew Jesus. Everybody went to church. I thought that. I remember in Little League uh, one day on a Saturday, you know, after the game or whatever, talking to one of my friends and talking about what we're going to do the next day and like, you know, I was like, you're not going to church tomorrow? And he's like, no, I don't we'll go to church. What are you talking about? You know, I, I was like, like, you, you can just not go to church? Really? I had no idea. And, uh, and so, so, you know, later on in life, in high school especially, I had, I had so many friends that not just didn't or went to church and, and, you know, maybe just kind of danced around but danced around Christianity, but never really accepted it. But I had friends that were straight up, you know, just did not believe. I had one of my best friends in 11th grade was uh, an agnostic, and I didn't know what an agnostic was. He explained it to me and said, we just don't think you can, you can really find the answers. And so I tried to talk to him about Jesus, and he'd be like, Brent, I really don't th- I think it's your, you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. And it was just like a, another mind blown, just like, why, what, what? And, uh, but one of, the, the, one of the biggest moments for me was uh, we moved uh, my senior year from Alabama to the outskirts of Chicago, and uh, I had an art class in Chicago uh, at Glenbard South High School, second period. And I think everybody should take an art class. If, if you've never taken art, I mean, art classes were the best, okay? What you do is you go in and you just sit down at a table and the teacher tells you to draw something, and you try your best. I mean, it can, it can look horrible. It don't matter, you know? You just try, and then you're sitting there and she, she, I mean, being an art teacher's got to be pretty easy too. You just get up there and draw something, and then make everybody else. Try. And then you sit down for a week, and then you know let everybody else figure it out. It's great. It's got to be a great deal. I'm not offend any art teachers, okay? Um, but but though that was one of my favorite classes of all. I mean, not just because of the art. I love art and I love uh, that kind of stuff. But I remember sitting at the table just having conversations in art classes in high school, and in Chicago was especially nice for me because it was different for me because right next to me sat a boy named uh named named Saqib and Saqib was Muslim his family had raised a Muslim right next to him was a boy named Faraz and Faraz had also been raised Muslim and across from him sat Oleg Oleg was of Russian descent who was 
Russian Jewish heritage, raised Jewish. And right next to him, across from me, was a boy named Aaron. Aaron was an atheist. Aaron, uh, Aaron, Aaron you know, wasn't ra raised to believe in God, and in fact was pretty vocal about the fact that he didn't believe in God. And then across from him sat me, the little evangelical boy from, from Alabama. <laughs> and it sounds like the setup to a really uncomfortable joke, but it's not. <laughs> but we would sit there and we would have these conversations about, you know, faith and about, what, I mean, we'd talk about Dragon Ball Z for some reason. I, I, don't, I wasn't even into that, but they talked about it. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, we get in these, these subjects of, of faith and like, what do you believe? What do you believe about this? What do you believe? And it was just so eye-opening to know that, that, you know, other people, you know, really, it's not just some cartoon character, you know what I mean? It's not just some little fictitious person that we make up, but these people have real beliefs. These people have real things that they, they trust in and they believe. And maybe it looked like on paper we didn't have a whole lot in common, but they'd been raised by their parents to believe this, right? And I'd been raised to believe, and so it just, like, like what's right, you know? That, and that didn't, that didn't blow, you know, knock my faith out of the water or anything at that point, but it hung over my head, you know? That thought kind of, kind of just sat there over my head, and like, you know, how do I know what I believe is what is true, and how do I know it's not just something someone handed me, and I just took it for granted? And uh, several other things, little things happened, in my life, and uh, one of the biggest things, I think, really, though, was I began to see what I would call the ugly side of Christianity. I began to see that everybody that said they were a Christian wasn't always acting like Jesus, and that was something that really affected my faith, and um, I had this, as one specific person in my life, I had a, a boss that I worked for, and uh, this, this person would, this lady, she would come in to our, our, our restaurant that we worked at. She would come in every day carrying a big Bible. She would often call us together to pray. She would help, you know, make us pray over our meals before we ate it and all that. But oftentimes when it came, you know, when the hard times came, the way she talked to people, the way she, the way she treated us, the things she said clearly did not sound like Jesus to a lot of people. And I'm going to be honest, a lot of times I deserved it, okay? Uh, <laughs> but there were, there were some just rough times for some people. And I remember one day, I, I, there was a, 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 the fry cook there. Her name was Martha. She was a little old lady that didn't go to church, didn't, didn't have any interest in it. And one day, I got to have a conversation with her about Jesus. And I remember sitting there, standing there over the, as she's flipping the hamburgers on, on the thing for the hamburger steaks. I remember sitting there talking to Martha. And she looked at me, and she said, Brent, I like what you're saying. But she said, if that woman over there is a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. And it broke my heart. And I'd, I'd, never, I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. You know, I never thought about that. I was like, like right out of high school, you know. And I was, I was like, man, what the heck? And, and that's why it's so important for us. It is so important for us to watch out for how we treat other people because we have no idea the doors were shutting in other people's faces we have no idea we have no idea what we're doing to close the doors for other people and so me not just through not that wasn't there were several other times uh where i saw just just the bad things you know the of people using 
the church or using, using faith to, to, you know, profit or to, to advance their, their, you know, their, themselves. And man, it just didn't sit right with me. And at this time, I felt called into ministry. And I'm seeing this and I'm thinking, do I, am I like Martha? And I'm saying, saying I don't know if I want to be like one of those people over there. I don't, I don't want to be that. I want to I know that what I believe is something that's real, right? And so I went through this time period, and I, I said, I don't think my parents knew. We moved to Arkansas. I just don't think my parents really knew I was going through this really at all. I remember asking them some questions, but I don't think I ever really opened up as much as I, I needed to probably. But we, 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 um, we moved to Arkansas, and I, we weren't connected to church as much there because of the way my dad's job was there. Um, he wasn't a pastor anymore. It was more at a regional level. And so, so I still went to church. I was still there. I just wasn't as connected as I had been. And um, I began to doubt. I began to ask questions. And I began, you know, be, began wrestling with some big questions, you know, like began Googling things. If the, Google was a thing back then. I can't remember. Maybe got on Alta Vista or whatever existed back then. It's a long time ago, guys. Um, but... Uh, began looking at some stuff and, and like where did life come from and i you know and is the bible is it even is, is the bible even you know reliable is it even you know is that even a thing you know a thing that we can trust in um and do, hasn't religion just caused a bunch of problems in the world you know and and uh and if god is real why is he not just splitting the heavens open and stepping out for us why is that not happening? And so I began dealing with these, and, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the people around me. I think this was crucial for me. I don't look back at that and think, oh, man, I wish I would never have gone, th gone through that. I think this was a crucial step for me in my faith, is me walking from, this is just something that someone had handed me, to me getting down and dirty and trying to figure out if this is the, the real deal or not. And um, I remember... I was, I'm so glad for the people around me. I'm so glad for my parents and, and for the people I did have at church and the people I did have at other churches that, uh, that I was able to reach out to and ask some questions. And I worked at a Christian bookstore, too, at this point. And so a lot, most of my, my co-workers were Christians and, uh, there, and I know they got really sick of me asking questions. I know they did. And I had, there was one girl I remember, she was, uh, she was, in my eyes back then, she was, she was like 29 years old, and she was the wisest person that ever walked the earth. That was such a, a, an old age, you know, to be at that point. And I remember she looked at me, and she said, Brent, I, I, I think you're getting lost in the weeds. You know, I, I think you're, you're, you're asking, you know, about like the Garden of Eden, and you're asking about, can, could, could Jonah really survive in that whale? And she said, why don't you look at Jesus? Why don't you start with Jesus and see if that matters? See if that, that holds true. And I was like, sounds simple enough, right? Um, and so that's what I did. And I began to see before I've been out here on the edges and I've been, been deconstructing. I've been trying to, to, to figure out this stuff out here. And uh, Jennifer, she, when she told me that, I remember that, that was just like a light bulb went on in my head. It was like, if, if Jesus doesn't, if Jesus ain't the real deal, None of this other stuff matters anyway, so let's just go straight to it. Let's, let's go. And so I began looking at Jesus. And the only thing I knew to do at first was to read the Bible. So I went to Matthew. I, wasn't even, I don't think I was even completely sure if the Bible was legit or not. And I just started reading Matthew. 
And um, here's what I found is I found some of the teachings of Jesus. And here's what I found is I found that Jesus said to love people, even your enemies, even the people that don't love you back. Love people. Love them. Not just like them. Not just put up with them. Not just tolerate them. Love people deeply. Forgive people. Forgive and forgive and forgive. And when it hurts, forgive. When it, when it don't make sense, forgive. Don't just roll your eyes and say, well, there, that's them again. No, forgive. And put other people first. Put other people first above, above whatever it is you want. Put other people above you. Put other people above you and what, what, how to help them. I saw where, give to the needy. Give to those in need. I saw where he taught that and that, that we should give until it hurts. And to, finally, to not think so highly of, of yourself. And those are the things I remember that really stuck out to me. It's to, it's to do those things. And I remember reading that and thinking, sitting in my room, thinking, what would the world look like if people just did that? What would the world look like if people just followed that? You know? What would, what, what would the world look like if we were able to do that, to love people, to, to forgive people, to, to put other people first, to give out of what we've got to help somebody else and to not think so highly of ourselves. What, what would the world look like? And, you know, I, I began looking at, uh, at, you know, just like, why is the church not doing that? Why is the church, you know, I'm not saying a church, I'm saying the church. Why is the church not doing that? And then I began, I began to say, you know what, the, the church had done a whole lot of good. And I got a a link there in, on the sermon notes page. If you go to church2911.com slash connect, you can go look there about all the good things. And this is, this is what I believe happens. That there, when, the, when the church just takes Jesus' name and only, we're in trouble. And we, we run through it. Um, my son, Clark, he's, uh, he's, he's two, okay? He loves to drum. That's just one of his favorite things to do. He loves to drum. He got a little drum set for Christmas that he plays. He got my parents got one for him at their house that he plays on. And then also just anything else that might look like a drum, that's a drum too. Uh, his sister uh, has a little doll that has some crutches. That those crutches make really good drumsticks. He's we got him some these little plastic golf clubs for his birthday. He busted the ends off of them. Those are good drumsticks too. And then yesterday he was just in his chair in his high chair, and he was just sitting there watching TV, and he was, didn't have anything to drum with, and he was just going, drum, 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 drum. <laughs> and he looks at you know, the golf clubs, he looks at the golf clubs, and he doesn't really understand exactly what the golf club is for, right? But he knows he wants to drum, and so he uses that, and I think that's the way religion can be for some of us, is it, it can be something we look at and just say, oh, well, we can use this to better ourselves. We can use this to advance ourselves right? Unfortunately, that's, that's what some people have done, is in the hands of bad people, the, the most innocent things can be dangerous, right? And so we have to be sure that the way we're using what Jesus put in our hands is the correct way, the way he intended. We have to make sure we're doing that. And when that happens, when the church says, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and live this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love people, forgive people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be your light in this dark world. When that happens, crazy things happen. Uh, uh, just name a few things that Christianity has been a part of over the, the past uh, couple thousand years. Uh, the abolitionist movement, uh, slavery when it was uh, the slave trade and all that, 
uh, William Wilberforce, uh, John Newton, if you don't know those names, Google them later and look up their stories. It's a, they're amazing stories um, about how these Christians were on the front line in the 1700s, 1800s of ending the slave trade. And then um, the civil rights movement, uh, Dr. King, uh, his profession, what was he? was a pastor, you know? Uh, Christianity was on the front line of that. Not just him, so many other uh, pastors and, and faith leaders were, were there. Uh, then human rights in general, uh, we, you know, Christians were a huge part of, of, of women's rights, children's rights, and, and uh, rights and reform for, for prisoners and laborers, laborers uh, hospitals, orphanages, libraries, universities, all began where? In the church. Why? Because, because the church wanted to help people better themselves, wanted to heal people, wanted to help people. They saw the work that Jesus did and said, we want to carry it out. And when the church does it, that's what happens. Uh, Christians in general are just, uh, statistics show that, that uh, Christians are more charitable than anybody else in, in the world. Christianity is the largest provider of health care in the world, and there's no second. Uh, Habitat for Humanity, Red Cross, Salvation Army, YMCA, all started by Christians, right? So when people decide that, that they're going to live like Jesus, crazy things happen, big things happen. And so religion doesn't have to be something that makes the world worse. It can make the world better, right? So I began to see that the way Jesus taught us to live is the best way to live. I wasn't even sure if Jesus was who he said he was, but I began to see that, that the way Jesus taught us to live is the best way to live. And I had another friend that, that, that uh, told me to get a book by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And you've probably heard this before. I'd never heard it at that point or not like, exactly like this. But here's what C.S. Lewis said in that book. I think it was the third chapter. And uh, this work got serious. <laughs> said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He, was not, he has not left that open to us. And he didn't intend to. In, intend to. He, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord, right? That's, that's the way I've heard it, you know, since then. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the objections to this is that, well, there's also the option that he's a, a legend, you know, he, He's a, he, he, wasn't, he didn't really say any of those things. He didn't really do any of those things. So if I can, I just want to take one minute and go through that process that I went through there too. Because I think at that point, when I read that, I was like, man, I have, this is getting serious. This is, this is the real deal. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't, I don't have, I can either, I got to figure out what it is. You know, it, as long as it was just, I agree with Jesus' teachings, and I was like, okay, this is good. Like, at least I can keep going to church and, you know, Christmas is going to be not awkward when I go home for Christmas and those kind of things in life. Um, but at this point, it was like, man, I've got to do something with Jesus. I've got to get to the bottom of it. And so there's three questions, really, that I, I had to answer. Number one was, did Jesus exist? Did he exist, or was he just a legend? Because, I mean, I'd heard, you know, that maybe he wasn't even real. Somebody just made him up, you know, some crazy, you know, secret council somewhere just made up Jesus so they could control the world. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, actually, I even saw a, a statistic this week that 
I think it was done in, in England that, that like one-fifth of the people in England, uh, their, their country believes that Jesus was just made up. That's what they, they, they believe that. And I would think it wouldn't be that far off in our country either. Um, but the fact, that fact is very rarely, you know, the fact that he existed is very rarely disputed by any historian. Very rarely do historians ever dispute the fact that Jesus was a real human um, and that he, he, he died on a cross. Those are, and that he started a, a movement that eventually became this that we're sitting, uh, we're a part of today, right? Um, so, so that wasn't a big hang-up to me. Um, and each one of these questions, I've got some links for you if you want to go and, and read a little bit more about each one of these because I'm going to be able to glaze over them. But there's some really good reading I've got there that, uh, that you can read on, on there. But the second thing was, did, if he really existed, fine. But did he claim to be the Messiah? Did he claim to be God? Because that's really big. Like, did we just add that later? Because that's kind of the, the, the story that, they'll, that, that you'll hear, is that Jesus died about, at about 30 A.D., right? And then, then the, the Gospels weren't written until like 70 A.D. So there's this, uh, this like gap there. And sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't even hear that. You just hear like, you know, it's thousands of years and people were, were manipulating these texts over and over and over. But the Gospels are pretty much written just like we get them today in, the, in uh, about, 30, uh, about 40 years after Jesus was, was, uh, was crucified. And so, um, but, so, so there wasn't a whole lot of time for this legend to morph into something really crazy. The people that were there sitting at Jesus' feet hearing what he said were there reading this, you know, the, the Gospels as they were, they were coming together. And, and also, the thing that really struck me is, is if they killed him, if he died, why did they kill him if it wasn't for the fact that he was claiming for blasphemy, for claiming to be God? So, so that, there was that. And then the third real question for me was, did he rise from the dead? Did he rise from the dead? Um, and this, again, is just something that, that, that some, some skeptics and historians would tell you that, oh, well, that was just added on later. You know, Jesus was a good teacher, but we just, you know, Christ, the Christian movement just added that on later. And um, the problem with this, to me, it, let me, it kind of it shows from, from, uh, from Paul's letters, because you see, it, it did take 40 years for the Gospels to take place, to, to be written. But Paul began writing letters before that. And that was about 15 years after, after Jesus died. And so the gap shrinks, okay? And in the very first letter that Paul writes, uh, it's First uh, Thessalonians, he's, he, um, or supposed to be First Timothy. It says First Thessalonians there, but it's First Timothy, I believe. Uh, about, uh, about 15 years after Jesus' death, it directly references his resurrection. But not only that, all right, one more thing is, is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about this creed, this thing that was handed off to him. And it actually dates to about, let me read this to you real quick. It actually dates to maybe a year after Jesus' death. It actually, actually um, is really close to where the church began. And Paul said, they said, For I deliver to you as the first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures. And so, I mean, there, there it is. Is that, that, that Right there, right after Jesus' death, that's already going around. And so, um, it's clear to me, you may, just go with me, okay? Keep going with me. It's clear to me that the first Christians believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, that he said he was the Son of God. It was very clear to them. And Bart Ehrman, he's an agnostic uh, that, that's also a, a really uh, really in-depth uh, New Testament uh, 
theologians. He, uh, he, he said this. He said, what is certain, okay, is that the earliest followers of Jesus believed that Jesus had come back to life in the body and that this was a body that had real bodily characteristics. It could be seen and touched and had a voice that could be heard. Here's the thing. There's not any, there's not any, uh, there's no, no place where all these people that followed Jesus, all these disciples that would have somehow come up with a conspiracy of hiding the body or making up the whole thing or adding in things. There's nowhere where anybody came out and said, hey, you know, that was fake. But you know what there is? There's story after story of people who were persecuted for believing this. There was, there's story after story of people being in prison because they believe this. There's story after story of people who were tortured because of this. People who, who were put, put to death because of their belief in Jesus. And it just makes a whole lot more sense that they, that they didn't die to protect Christianity as, a, as a, some big fake lie. They, they died because it's what they really, truly believe. That, that makes a whole lot more sense that, that, that the church... For thousands, for thousands of years has gone on because of something that, that began in Jesus on that cross and carried on through all this time. It makes a whole lot more sense to me that, that, that what God did then is still alive today because there's something different about Jesus. That's, that's what, it, what got me, is that, that I know that I wouldn't die for a folk tale, folk tale you know? I wouldn't die for a legend. And I think sometimes we think, oh, what we see is Christianity is this, this thing that, ever, you know, is this high and lofty thing. Back then, it wasn't. They were the underdogs. They were the ones that were getting, trying, that the Roman Empire was trying to snuff out, right? That, why would they go through this? Unless the person of Jesus was something that was real to them. Not just that he was a person, but that he was God also. So I got to a, this, the scary conclusion for me, and that is that if Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. If Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. And that, that was exciting for me. That was an exciting revelation. It was also very scary because that meant I couldn't just, just sweep it off. You know, I couldn't just, just hope to make it, you know, go through life and not worry about this anymore. I couldn't uh, just, you know, the people that had, used religion in a bad way and hurt people around me, I couldn't just say, well, you know, you know, lump all that together and just say, okay, good, I'm past all that. I had to deal with it, and I had to do something about it, you know? I had to step out, and I had to follow Jesus. And so um, looking back at it, I was looking at it backwards originally before I talked to my friend Jennifer, and I was trying, I was trying to, to dismantle all this stuff outside and say, you know what, if I can, if I can you know, you know, how, how did Noah get all those animals in that boat? And if I can't figure that out, then surely Jesus isn't real, you know? But instead, when I went to Jesus, and I started there, and I said, you know what? Jesus is real. When I was able to find a place where I said, you know what? This Jesus thing, there's something to it. I got to keep going. When I got there, then I, then I could deal with the rest. Then I could work my way out and figure out the rest. On the very bottom of the Sunday's page, I have a link to a... Um, a video, a talk, uh, Tim Mackey, The Bible Project. You may have heard of The Bible Project. We did a read-through of the Bible a couple of years ago, and I'd, I'd listened to it a, a while back, but 
listened to it again yesterday. It's a great talk on where the Bible came from and, and that kind of stuff. But he, he talks a lot at the beginning about Jesus and about the person of Jesus and how we're really comfortable with him being a, a man, a teacher. We're really good with that, just telling us how to live. We're good with that. And sometimes we're good also with him being God and showing up and doing something awesome in our life. But when those two things come together, when those two things come together, and that's, that's tricky for us because we can't quite wrap our mind around that. But Jesus, I believe, was fully God, fully man. And because of that, that changes everything. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, do you believe that, that, Jesus, that Jesus was who he says he was? Do you believe that? Has that changed everything for you? Has it changed everything for you? Has, has it changed the way you interact with, with each other? Has it cha changed the way that you, you talk to your, your neighbors or the way you interact with, with people at work? Has it changed the way you go about your life when things start falling apart on the, on the, on, in your life? How, how does it change how you live? Do you, do you have that hope that you know you got something, that you got Jesus to call out to when things start to fall apart? I know, I know that in my own life, that Jesus has changed everything. And uh, wherever you're at today, I don't know where you're at exactly. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I, I, my prayer for you today is that wherever you're at, you would open your heart up to Jesus and just say, hey, Jesus, I believe you are what you say, who you say you are. And I want you to change everything. I want you to change everything in my life. Help me follow you better. Help me, you know, whatever that is in your life that needs to change, whether that is following him better, whether that is finding him for the first time, or whether that is like you're going through something and you need Jesus to step in and change everything. That's available to us today. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.